Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Welcome back to Keynote. We are this week in Munich at the DLD conference. Lots of big ideas being discussed, ideas about how to change the world, particularly from a technological point of view, lots of discussion, big ideas of AI in the environment. Uh, but today my guest, uh, Susan Danziger, is a woman of ideas, but also one of practice. She's putting her ideas into practice uh, in New York. Uh, Susan, is that fair? You're a philosopher, but you're someone who is also extremely practical. Yes, absolutely. I'm all about action. I mean, it's uh, it's one thing to regale people about philosophy and sort of be uh, very kind of highfalutin, but I believe that uh, that philosophy gets a real crux of it when you put them into action and you create examples for the world to really prove them out. You have found a geography to put your ideas into practice. Tell me about that geography. Yeah, so it's situated in Columbia County. Uh, our farm is in Taconic. It's the Indian spelling of Taconic, T-A-G-H-K-A-N-I-C. Uh, and, uh, and there's also the city of Hudson as well uh, that's located about 20, 25 minutes from the farm. So to be clear, this is uh, an area in and whether we'd call it upstate New York, certainly north of New York City. Right, it's uh, the Hudson Valley is a good way to put it. And what are you trying to do in the Hudson Valley? You're doing a number of different things, some based in Hudson itself, the, the town, some based in the countryside, but there seems to be a, a, an arc, a philosophical arc, running through all the different initiatives that you are, uh, that you are pursuing. Yeah, so I think the, the, the arc that runs through them is really about creating replicable models. Models for other communities, models for other donors, models for other investors. But stand back a little bit, Susan, from, from what you're trying. What, what are the problems, what are the issues that you're addressing with these experiments? Yeah. So in the next two decades, going, there's going to be about $70 trillion that's going to be passing hands, first to the widows, as, as you know, women live longer than men, and then the next generation. And those folks are, aren't really interested in investing in things like fossil fuels. What they want to do is they want to put their money to work, so not give it away, but also part of the success is really about making an impact. So what we're trying to do is create models of investment for that next generation so that they can, again, do good and not maximize the income, but make a little bit of income at the same time. One of your investment arms is named Utopia Ventures, uh, obviously a little tongue-in-cheek. Are some of your initiatives, might some people think of them as utopian? 
So our utopia is spelled with an EU, not a U, and EUtopia is Greek for a good place, not a perfect place. And that's really what we're trying to do is create a good place for everyone. One of your schemes in Hudson is um, guaranteed minimum income initiative. Tell me about that and, 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 and what the results have been. Well, first, I wouldn't call it a scheme. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's a pilot. Initiative. A pilot, yeah, exactly. So what we've done is we have, um, there are 128 participants, each receiving $500 a month for a period of five years. We're actually the first small city U.S. pilot and also the longest running. And what has been the result? How much money are you giving out? And are you seeing concrete consequences? It's a great debate, particularly in an age of AI where some people believe that we'll be freed from menial labor. What are the lessons we can draw from your pilot? Hmm. So it's been a huge success on two, two realms. One is that we have affected you know, people's lives literally from one day to the next. And these are people where $500 a month is the difference between putting food on the table or making rent, having to make that choice or paying car insurance and keeping the lights on. So um, indeed, it has made a huge difference in people's lives. And in addition, it's also part of creating a model for other communities. As I said, we were the first, and so now there are hundreds, and they're looking to us as far as how we've run our model. Susan, some people might be listening to this and watching this and thinking, well, that's an interesting pilot, an interesting initiative, but isn't it the business of the state, of the government, to pursue these kinds of experiments? Why? give private citizens like you responsibility for something so profound? Well, I think right now it's clear that the government isn't taking those actions. And what we're trying to do is create models or experiments to prove out how these experiments can work and do work. So let me give you an example, another example. Um, we did a study on the pilot, and it turns out that employment has almost tripled among participants. They have the bandwidth to interview for jobs. They use the money to fix their car if it's broken down. Um, so these are really, um, oh, and also they have uh, their physical health and mental health have improved dramatically. So this pilot, I really feel, is a way for us to prove out the model, and the hope is that the state will eventually adopt it for everyone. I know you know Andrew Yang quite well. You were one of his early backers. Uh, he, he pitched his tent to the idea of a guaranteed minimum income. It, didn't seem to win over voters. How might this issue become more popular in the future politically? Yeah, I think it's really about 
getting folks to understand the impact. And we're seeing that on a local level that, for instance, the mayor itself uh, talked about how the basic income pilot was one of the best things that happened to his city. It's, it's a small city, but certainly one of, one of the best ones, according to him. So I think it's really about creating these small initiatives that, that then get the local people to sign on for it. And hopefully local becomes more national at some point. Susan, uh, in, in the fall of last year, we had a delightful afternoon. You took me around Hudson, showed me some of the initiatives, the pilots you were running there. Tell me about how Hudson has become this uh, platform, this urban platform for a number of the, the experiments, the, uh, the pilots that you're running. Tell, uh, and, and tell everyone a little bit about Hudson because not everyone will be familiar with it. Yeah. So Hudson is an amazing city. It's a small city. It has about 6,000 people. And what's been incredible is getting to know the people who live there. You know, we, coming into Hudson, we're relatively new. We've really, um, the whole goal has been to involve the community them themselves and have the community really let us know what it is that they needed. So the first time where we came to Hudson in the first few months and years, it's really been about listening what they need and responding to them. So for instance, we have learned from listening to the community that they need affordable housing. And that is one of our initiatives is an affordable housing pilot. So it's, um, you ask about Hudson, the people who are living there, they're super smart, super motivated. And it's really about working together to create big changes in a small city. What's been the reaction, Susan, of the local government in Hudson? Do they see you as competitors, as allies, as partners? Yeah, very much as allies and partners. As I said, the mayor himself uh, touted the basic income pilot as one of the big achievements in Hudson. So we're very much interested in partnering not only with local governments, but also with community organizations. It's, uh, in fact, our basic income pilot, the way it was designed was all from meeting together with the local community leaders and deciding really how the pilot should be run, who should be the participants in the pilot, and how to measure it. So this was all together and partnering with community organizations and the, and the local government itself. Susan, uh, in the 19th century, of course, Alexis de Tocqueville, the great French political theorist, came to America and saw it as the the, the stage for the experiment in democracy, that democracy perhaps in the 20th century stalled. Are you, in your own way with these local initiatives, trying to reignite or reinvent local democracy in America in the 21st century? Well, <laughs> Andrew, I love how you, you frame that. And, and honestly, I'm really just trying to make change on a local level and um, ideally ins inspire others to do similar kinds of works in their community. Are you seeing, though, you know, the Tocqueville travel around and saw uh, local figures, I guess 19th century versions of yourself in a way. Are, are there lots of other Susan Danzigers? <laughs> dotted around America, mm -hmm. other places like Hudson where uh, citizens are trying to reinvigorate, re-architect uh, the local community. 
Oh, I'm sure there are. I mean, that's actually one of the one of the challenges for this year is getting to know other people who have um, similar goals. So yes, I'm sure there are tons of people like myself, and I hope there are, and I hope also to inspire others to do similar kind of work. Could this be a network for a new political organization, for a new political age, given the dysfunctionality of central government in America? You know, we need all the people that we can to get involved in making change on a local level. So I love the idea of a network. Um, in terms of the basic income pilot, there are networks that exist where pilots learn from one another. Um, yeah, I think it's a wonderful idea. So if you want to help champion it, I'm all for it. What about the role of education, Susan? I know you, some of your, your, your pilots are focusing on that too. How central uh, is education in, in some of the, the, the things you're trying in Hudson? Yeah, very central. In fact, we're launching the Spark of Hudson, which is a local community hub, and its focus really is on education. But I think we want to do education in a different kind of way. The way we're looking at education is really about sparking curiosity, hence the name Spark of Hudson. And the way we're doing it is really to understand what do people want to learn? What are they curious about? And that's the kind of work that we want to do with the Spark is really about understanding it and then seeing how we can help. Has the system failed Americans? I know you homeschooled your children. Um, are schools in America broadly, I mean, I know it's a bit of a generalization, but are schools often not working? Traditional schools? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the challenges with schools is that they were made for the kind of manufacturing age, right? Everyone is, uh, is in the same classrooms. Everybody of the same age is in the same classroom. They don't really differentiate between and among students. Every kid who's nine learns the same math or the same, you know, learns the same English. And, and I think one of the challenges is that because of the size and because of the way it's structured, it's not bespoke to the individual students. And that's what we've been trying to do, or we're trying to do with our kids, is much make it much more about what is it that they wanted to learn? How is it that they wanted to learn? And really empower them to be in charge of their own education. What's the role of technology in all this, in these local pilots? The role of technology in the local pilots, well, in terms of education, I think it's huge. You know, at this point, you can really learn anything via the internet, right? It's all out there. The question really is, can you be guided to the information that you need? Can you be inspired to learn on your own? It's really, it's all out there, and it's really up to, or should be up to the individual, but I think everyone needs that spark, which is what we're trying to do. You got the spark in Hudson, the urban spark, but you're also doing a lot on the rural front. Uh, tell me a little bit more about your, your, your pilots, in farming, in agriculture, and in food. Yeah. So we have Wally Farms, and Wally Farms, uh, we call it a climate action farm. It's an innovation hub for climate and for basically small farm businesses. And what we're trying to do is really think differently about the relationship between folks who own the farm and the folks who work there. So for instance, 
rather than hiring the farmers, what we're doing is starting to invest in their businesses. So we basically give them the land for free or let them use our land um, however they want. And we invest in the businesses so that they can have a farm business that thrives. We also have the bigger infrastructure of the farm that these smaller farmers can use. Because it's really tough, as we know, for small, for, for small farms to make it. And so we're really trying to develop a new model for them. And I know you're working on a lot of initiatives when it comes to uh, agriculture and food uh, on the farm and off the farm. Yeah, so one of, the, one of the small businesses that's on our farm is a container farm. So imagine um, shipping containers that are on our farm. And we have, there's a fellow who um, actually is a chef turned farmer, and he grows these wonderful lettuces and vegetables right in the container themselves. And of course, given the fact that it's a container, it's incredibly climate resilient, right? So it could be snowing and sleeting on the farm uh, and uh, the vegetables or lettuces wouldn't be affected. So that's one example of uh, a kind of agricultural initiative that we're piloting. You're also piloting some restaurants uh, which are connected to the farm, which seem to me at least to be building out a kind of virtuous cycle in farming and food uh, and local business. Yeah, so we have the, there's the West Taconic Diner and there, like a number of our initiatives, we're starting to pilot the steward ownership model. And it's the idea where we as owners, investors, basically have very little say in the business themselves. And the folks who actually are stewards or the ones who run the business are the ones who both have a say in the business and also participate in its outcome. So in terms of the diner, what we're looking to do is, of course, serve great food, have it serve the community, have it be financially sustainable. And, it, and so sustainable, not just of the land, but financially sustainable. And this is a real key to a number of our projects. We really want them ultimately to be able to stand on their own without our participation. Susan, you don't need me to tell you there's a lot of criticism these days of capitalism, particularly capitalism in America. Some people believe it's untenable that it needs to be replaced by something else although there's a great debate about what that something else is uh, if you join the dots of everything you're doing from the education and uh, guaranteed minimum income initiatives in Hudson to the farming initiatives to the restaurant are you in a in a spontaneous local way creating a new model of capitalism in the 21st century yeah, I think we realize that capitalism as it is today is not working for a lot of people. And so what we're really trying to do is launch these experiments um, to see whether there is another kind of model, a new kind of way to look at capitalism that does in fact work for people. And how is that scalable? Given what you're doing, there may be other local initiatives, but, but can what you're doing locally in Hudson, can it scale nationally or even regionally in the United States? 
That's the hope, right? So that is exactly why we are piloting these various experiments so that other communities, other donors, other investors can look and see what we're doing and learn from them. We've done a number of shows, Susan, on philanthropy. A lot of people are critical of traditional forms of philanthropy. Is this, in a way, uh, an, innovative, an innovative form of philanthropy? So is it an innovative form of philanthropy? Well, we're trying. So let me give you an example of a kind of philanthropy that I think is, is quite innovative. We learned from listening to the community that there was a lot of hospital medical debt um, through uh, uh, that people in uh, the city of Hudson, that's really our focus that they had. And these, this is, these are debts where they went out for judgments, liens were put on people's houses, um, people were on payment plans. And so what I did was I negotiated with the CFO of the local hospital. Um, it, um, and what I did was I, uh, we agreed that by my donating a certain amount of money, then in exchange for that, the medical hospital medical debt would be wiped out for the those in the city of Hudson who had debt and this is the amazing thing 20% of the city of Hudson had hospital medical debt and in one fell swoop by negotiating with the CFO those medical debts were wiped out and so I think that's an example of how other donors can look to what we're doing, donors who would be giving to the hospital anyway, and at the same time, really release that burden of debt from so many of the local residents. What's the, and perhaps there are no rules on this, no generalizations, but the response of the beneficiaries to what you're doing? Do they see you as saviors? Do they see you as partners? Is there a degree perhaps of resistance or unease about what you're doing? So honestly, we haven't been that involved locally in terms of the people who are the beneficiaries. In fact, for our basic income pilot, I maybe know a handful of people who have come forward as the beneficiaries. So we really try, I don't, I don't, I have no interest in being a savior, as you said. It's really about creating models and doing good on a local level. Do you see yourself as part of a, a longer geographical tradition? Uh, New York State has always been the home from the 19th century of, 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 of innovation, of cults, of doing things differently. <laughs> I would not say that we're a cult at all. No, I'm not <laughs> suggesting you are, but, um, but you are boldly doing things differently. Well, the wonderful thing is that, you know, for, by the grace of God, we have resources that we never dreamed of having. And so we don't, for instance, have the burden of that a lot of families that are eighth generation have where they have to preserve the wealth for the next generation or generations to come. So we really have the freedom to be able to create these experiments and figure out whether you know how much do good that we can do in our lifetime. And finally Susan what 
aren't you doing in Hudson that you'd still like to do? What are the plans for 2024 and onwards? Yeah, so super exciting. Uh, in the next few months, we'll be launching the Spark of Hudson Community Learning Hub, uh, which is located right in the center of the city. And I think it'll be a wonderful opportunity, hopefully, that all different parts of the city can come together, meet, and hopefully help one another.